On today's Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast, Carlos Rodon tosses a no-hitter. Time for a celebratory podcast. And the Chicago Cubs, well, they just can't flat-out hit. Time for a podcast focused on not too much offense. All that and more on episode 51 now. Welcome in to the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast, your home for the best Chicago sports talk. I'm Joey Gellman. You can follow me on Twitter at Joey Gellman. The man on the other side of the Skype is Dan Collins. You can follow him at TweetDanCollins. The show, Believe in Chicago Sports, is also on Twitter at Believe in Chicago, part of the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. So, as Dan teased it, normal, you know, Wednesday night last night, couple of baseball, you know, games on and you're you're doing your thing. And then suddenly this White Sox team blocks on all the noise, everyone yelling at Tony LaRusso for 3 days and puts up 8 runs on the Indians. And oh by the way, Carlos Rodon tossing a perfect game into the ninth inning and a damn pinky toe gun in his way from perfection, but the no-hitter, nonetheless, is pretty damn impressive, too. And that's what we're talking about today. It's, it, it's an awesome story, and, you know, I, I'll let you lead it off with your thoughts, because you're the in-house White Sox expert, but what a wild ride for Rodon and his career, and to have a moment like that for him and for the White Sox was, was truly special. Yeah, I think there's three big points with this one. Number one, most importantly, which I think Jason Benetti on the broadcast to wrap things up there last night did a good job, um, which obviously he always does best in the business, and just really driving that message home where it was really one of those, like, you didn't really expect that, did you? Like, anybody who wasn't watching that White Sox game last night and got the text or got the phone call where, you know, maybe you're in the, the last third of the inning and it's like, hey, Carlos Rodon's kind of doing this, which, which happens a lot, right? It, it goes back to the whole Hall Carlson, call your friends, call your daughters, call your neighbors thing. That was me last night. Lot. Yeah, exa- exactly. So, and when you got the, was it was a text or phone call again, I'm text. sorry. It was a text, for, text from your dad. And I bet you any money, even though I could be wrong, you got that text, and it, even maybe your your head, you know, your mind immediately goes, "Oh, really?" But it's like a second, "Oh, really?" Because you didn't really see that coming, did you? And Carlos Rodon, obviously, you go back to the, when he was drafted by the Chicago White Sox. There was a lot of a lot of promise, right? And there was some good expect. There was some expectations there, but then you go through injury, you go through struggles, you go through just questioning if or not he's even going to be on the roster this season. If he is, what is his role going to be? How effective can he be in said role? And there's two kind of you don't really expect it type of you know texts or phone calls you get when you when it's about like a no hitter or perfect game going on it's like hey tune in time you get the ones that's almost like the philip umbers right we'll go back to when he had the perfect game against the mariners and you're like holy cow philip umber what what's like there's there's the ones where you think the pitcher has no business right like almost being in that situation um it's no knock on philip umber hey perfect game (laughs) I'll, i'll never do that on a major league baseball mound but or Carlos Rodon, it's a little different, right? Because he had that promise, he had those expectations, but those kind of dwindled away recently, like within the past season or two. So this is like, wow, like, what are we getting here? Like, are we getting a return to form? And you don't necessarily want to jump all the way down the road to that, but it was really interesting to think Carlos Rodon, really, he, he's mown him down. He's got 
21, 24 straight outs at this point. Um, just kind of incredible. And it's going to be interesting to see, at least for this season, if we want to keep it somewhat micro micro perspective here, is wonder where this takes him for the rest of the year, right? Obviously, hopefully, he stays healthy. And if he does... What kind of what kind of ride can he have this year? You know, it's it's really intriguing to think about as a White Sox fan, and even before coming into this game, he started off the season hot. He started off the season really well. I mean, obviously we're you know we're only a couple starts in, but still impressive outing last time out. And you bring that into this outing where now you throw a near perfect game and a no hitter, just the one base runner allowed, Roberto Perez, which we're going to get to in a second with the whole just gets him on the what did you say on the on the pinky toe <laughs> uh, with the backdoor slider, but. Still very impressive by Rodon, and the second thing to put to obviously like one of, one of the biggest things there in last night's game is tons of people talked about it. Tons of people probably text you as you were watching it. The whole Roberto Perez not you know maybe quote unquote moving out of the way as you're supposed to with all you know possibilities or whatever you can do with your body to to move away from that pitch you're supposed to, and he didn't. But how's about Carlos Rodon just taking it as a complete champ in the post game interview, saying hey. He just, you know, he stood in there. He did pretty much what I would have done. That's what Carlos Rodon said. He's, I'm not moving out of the way either. You got to earn the perfect game. And in the sense, he didn't earn it in that way because it got just fractions away from him exactly where he wanted to put it. Obviously, backdoor slider, but you don't want to, like Rodon said, to put exactly on one of the feet of Roberto Perez there. And that's what happened. So I'm glad he wasn't petty about it. You know, I, I think it helps that he still got the no-hitter. Um, I'm sure that probably helps with some of the excitement. But I'm glad he took the high road there. I think probably a lot of pitchers would have. But definitely with a you know just a cool, calm, and like happy sense of humor about it. And he was all good with it. And I'm the same way. There's probably a lot of White Sox fans out there who will disagree with me and are, and are probably up in arms about it. Um, but let's all really take a step back here and if – that was a White Sox batter in the batter's box, and you know it's a it's a Cleveland Indian pitcher on the mound. You're not moving out of the way, right? It's it's the it's the ever so old take one for the team, and more to Carlos Rodon's own point, you got to earn it. And if you're even off by the smallest of fractions, and it hits a player, well, you didn't earn the perfect game, but guess what? You still got. I mean, you've 28 batters faced, still get the no hitter. You know, you just allow one base runner and it's a hit by pitch you still get no no base on balls on the on the stat sheet and you know five plus k's and it was like seven k's on you know 110 plus pitches it's a dominant performance yeah it was and, and you know i i like where you took it with the question of where does it set him up going forward and it's a really good question and analysis because i don't know if we know that but i hope it's propelling him forward to maybe not where we thought he'd be, but to where you'd want him to be. And I think, you know, this team, when you think of kind of big pitching prospect names as of late, I mean, I know they acquired Giolito, but outside of that, you think of Rodon, you think of Fulmer, and you think of Kopech. And Carson Fulmer, you know, never didn't really pan out like you wanted him, unfortunately. Michael Kopech is hopefully coming back strong with a vengeance after his surgery last year. And Rodon, people weren't really sure if he'd stick around either, if he was able to come back from his surgeries and come back from everything to pitch at a big league level. And and, and you saw last night on a freezing cold night at, at guaranteed rate that he could do it. And I hope that's the, the, the motivational kick he needs to solidify himself as a, 
mainstay in this rotation. I don't know if he's going to be an ace. I can't tell you that. But at least to, to be a bona fide starter for this team, it's kind of all you can you can ask on a pitching staff that's already really, really good on a team that has big expectations this year. So, I, you know, I mean, good for him. I mean, it, it's hard. It, you know, baseball's weird. I mean, I was looking for fun today at the draft when he was in 14. And, like, baseball is weird. Like, when you see, okay, here's the list of these guys. I'm like, I have heard of any of you. Like, the number one pick, like, was Brady Aiken. And it's like, he never showed up or panned out. Number four, by the way, Kyle Schwarber, which is funny to me. And way back down in the draft that year in 2014, Patrick Mahomes. But, uh, it's... It, That's right. Hold on. Can I guess the team really quick? Yeah. Oh, Oakland A's? Was he drafted by the Oakland A's? Oh, was it a West Coast team? It's in your division. Oh, man. Was it the Twins? The the Royals? <laughs> now I'm just throwing out <laughs> the White Sox. <laughs> no. How come I thought I had this one? I really did. That's yeah, okay. The Tigers. Oh, okay. Wow, way off. Anyways, <laughs> my apologies. Going ahead. Um, but no, like, like when you read like a, like a draft board of the NBA or NFL, like, you know, the top 10 guys all the time. And in baseball, you want to hope that's the same case, but a lot of those guys don't really pan out. So I, I, I'm very happy to see him kind of turn it around and keep his status out there of, Hey, that was me 2014 third overall pick. I'm still here. And now could be a, you know, a big piece moving forward for them in whatever way and shape that, that may come. But Good for Rodon. It was awesome. It was the 20th one in history, like you said. And and Benetti said it right last night. You know, pitchers come and go, but a guy like that now with a no-hitter, he won't be forgotten. It's like Philip Umber, like you said. Who the hell would remember him yeah. if not for his heroics, right, in, 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 in a no-hitter kind of game? So you're etched in history forever. The White Sox have been lucky to have a, a decent chunk of them in recent memory, and it, it's it's fun. I'm looking it up now because I think I am mistaking Patrick Mahomes with Kyler Murray in terms of being drafted to Major League Baseball and opting to instead be a yes. quarterback in the National Football League. Okay, that's exactly who I'm thinking of. That's right. Because Murray was actually drafted, correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> let's not get it wrong again, Dan, hey, first round wrong. by the A's, was it? I don't remember, but he was a decently high pick. To the Google machine! There we go. Well, while Joey's on the Google machine, uh, we'll, we'll echo. I'll echo his sentiments that basically echoed my sentiments. So we're on the same page here with the no hitter by Carlos Rodon. Like I said, only a couple starts in, but you go back to his yeah ninth overall selection. Sorry, ninth overall selection in the first round so in twenty eighteen. Yeah, top ten pick. That's a waste. That. <laughs> a whole lot. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You you, you go back to uh, what you just said. Kyle Schwarber, a fourth overall, and a couple other guys. Who knows? Heck, if if Murray chose the the A's route, maybe who who knows? Maybe he's still in minor league baseball. Maybe he's in in the running for MVP. Who knows? But you go back to Rodon's first start, two hits. You know, granted the three walks, but nine Ks gets the victory there in Seattle, which you know wins whatever. It's a it's a blast step, but still you get two solid starts out the gate. Start one, just one K shy of ten, and then. You get the near perfect game and indeed no hitter against against the Cleveland Indians division rival. I saw there was three really interesting things about yesterday. I mentioned two. The third one, and we joked a, a little uh, before the podcast about it, is this is becoming just a, a White Sox thing now. 
I mean, I mean, in my lifetime alone, since you know watching the White Sox, you have you know the Burley no hitter, the Umber perfect game, the Burley perfect game, you know last year. But we're we're talking mostly here now with last year Giolito, this year Rodon. Like whoever would have thought, right? So you go back to the Giolito no hitter of last year. Who thinks is a White Sox fan going in this year? You're going to get another one of those. You never get two no hitters in a row back to back seasons. Right, so just just crazy to think about. It. It's like, hey, which who, who's throwing it next year? Mark right? the calendar. It could be a white. It could be a White Sox promo. It's going to be no hitter day. Whoever, I love it. Whoever's on the bump, they're just going to go ahead and, and get it. We'll we'll project this date <laughs> next year as, See, as that, somebody throwing a no hitter for the for the Sox. That's why you never ever ever leave a, a sporting event early because I could tell you the White Sox were up big early last night, and I bet you there's that handful of people that said, "Oh, this is a blowout. It's freezing." I'm going home, driving back my four-hour commute back to the Burbs, and they yeah. miss history. That's why you never, never leave early. But um, you got to also give some credit here, and this is, I'm thinking in the Burley perspective, of the Dwayne Wise catch and the mm. Jose Abreu slide in the first base that saved that thing last night defensively. There's some there there's some juju going around with this team. Of the, the, the defense <laughs> knows what's up, and they do all they can to preserve these historic moments it was pretty pretty incredible he made the only movie he could make and it turned out to preserve the whole damn thing yeah i think even well i have to go back and maybe look at some you know highlights of no hitters perfect games past um but yeah i mean i think that's how a whole lot of them end up right is you have to get that little bit of luck to go with it as well you need that one very key or two very key defensive plays to save it all and sometimes that's what it takes uh to make sure that it happens so that was the third interesting fact is is like um or interesting tidbit i guess you could say is oh man or, or we're going to get used to this on the south side cool enough there was fans this year you know to watch it which obviously they may note and if you just you know obviously if you're watching last year you would have remembered you know over there at guaranteed rate there was no fans unfortunately home game but no fans and Luckily enough, or you know, good enough, there was able to be fans there yesterday. But before we wrap up the show, want to talk, I, I, Joey might not want to talk Cubs, but I, I was interested in, in talking about him because you know it's very early on. We'll probably have many a conversations like this, but I am curious to know, as our podcast Cubs expert, now I'll flip it over to you. Oh, thank you. Is honestly, where are you at with this team in terms of? And I, I've been seeing a lot of this in, in the Twitter in the Twitter world lately. Is have you basically like already given up? Like, have you thrown in the flag on the Cubs this season? Potentially a little bit moving forward. Obviously, not giving up as a Cub fan, but just kind of like, all right, no, I'm officially. It's super early on, but yeah, I'm officially just kind of bracing for what I think most likely would just be a very uh season. I feel like it was, it's not hard to get to that point because expectations coming into this year with not a whole lot of fine-tuning of the roster, and most importantly, as we can see here, the offense that just is non-existent, not a whole lot of fine-tuning there. I mean, biggest acquisition there, you're looking at Jock Peterson. So, fine player, you know, it comes in with a decent resume, but obviously not doing enough to help the rest of the offense because the rest of the offense, like I said, just non-existent. So it's not necessarily hard to run to that oh-so-quick, I'm bailing on this season type of standpoint, but I'm just curious if that's already where your pulse is at as a Cubs fan. I'm not bailing on it, but it's they're, they're making it pretty unenjoyable to watch to where I go... I could use something else tonight versus tuning in, and that's a problem. Um, that didn't take long. 
Well, it, no, and 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 listen, I'm never going to give up hope, but but it's it's like a cascading amount of like different events of going on, right? So they they come out and they say we're poor now, we can't buy anything, we're trading everyone, and then they say, but we're also going to compete for the division. We know that's not going to work. Then they start out the gate not that hot, forcing even more pressure on the current team now for fear of being sold, you know, as trade pieces in July. Okay, that doesn't help. And then you just have a, a group here that has the same struggles offensively for the past three or four years to where you can't really question the coaches anymore. You're trying to figure out what's happened to these players. And so it's all kind of coming together to go, is this really, I don't know, the end of the road for, for this group to be really, really competitive? I'm not saying these guys aren't good players anymore, Actually, I don't know what I'm saying because it's 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 really difficult because you're knowing what they are on paper. They're not they haven't been that for two or three years. So it's it's a really difficult spot to to assess. I'm not trying to hit panic mode, but it's like I said last week. I, 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 I'm not ready to that f- flashing red button over there. But these things are starting to become trends. And when they become trends, yeah. I get worried when it's year after year after year. And you can even take pandemic year out of it. Uh, it's it's concerning, to say the least. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I know he's gone now, and they definitely, you know, cut, cut ties with that. But you mean something it's not Joe Madden's fault? You know, still, we're not, we're not stemming it back to, 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 you know, old coaches and things like that. And it's not Ross's fault now, right? No. I mean, I say that because it, it goes to show you that – when this team, you know, this this golden era of Chicago Cubs baseball, when when the struggles first started to happen, you know, the big struggles where the offense is just, what the hell is going on? And, you know, you're really looking at ways to, like, do we need to fine-tune? Like, do we really just need to, like, blow this up? No, we'll get rid of Joe, right? It's, and it's very common, right, across all major sports is you'll go to the coach or the manager first. And once again, it goes to show you, no, you're probably looking in the wrong place. And, I think it's it's honestly just a I mean like I said it's been happening since you know sports started it's it's just a mistake that is just going to keep occurring for whatever reason how's about one team out there for once instead of looking right to the coach and right to the manager and looking at that sorry ass excuse of well maybe we, we have the like you said Joey we have everybody on paper you know they're they're all here on paper maybe they just need a new voice to lead the way how's about instead of going that route first you take the more forward-thinking approach and do what should have been done a long time ago. Now, this is a whole lot easier said than done because, once again, you look on paper and you would think you'd be very confident with whatever lineup it is you go on ahead and put out there. fact of the matter is, as a Cubs fan, you're no longer not. And I think where this, you know, where our conversation is going to go a few shows, quite a few shows down the road as we get closer, like, say, to a, to a trading deadline is, wow, I hope it's... I hope we didn't get to the point where, yes, we are finally selling off a few big pieces now, but the value is just so <laughs> diminished and so so much lower than what we could have had as the Cub, you know, as, as a Cub fan. What we could have had if we had, you know, just pulled the trigger and made up our minds a long time ago. And like I said, I'm going to be fair here and say that's a lot easier said than done. However, it's something to note, right? Because. Yeah. It's not. It's not Dan's job. It's not Joey's job to be the general manager of the yes, Chicago it Cubs <laughs> and, and to make the, and to make those moves. So, as a fan, 
while it's all it's easier said than done as a fan or as an analyst or as anybody else not making that exact decision for the Cubs, the person who is, Theo Epstein previously, Jed Hoyer, well, Jed Hoyer for the past few years, but you know now he's you know taking the reins and has been promoted. But you know whether you're talking to is it the president of baseball ops really calling the shots, the GM, whatever, the 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 Cubs brass, right? They're the ones who have to put their minds together and make the right decision at the time, and they're the ones who are supposed to predict it right. The, the, you're, you get paid to not only be able to assemble a team in the present, but to be able to forecast and put together either assemble or reassemble the team for the future and. Looks like, I mean, hey, with uh, the one shining moment of 2016, which obviously, fantastic year for Cubs fans. No Cubs fan is ever going to forget that, going to cherish it forever. And it's an amazing moment to cling on to, just like for White Sox fans, 2005 is an amazing moment to cling on to. But when you're sitting here in present day, makes it a little harder to uh, forecast what you could see as a as a happy future for the, for this club, unless Yikes. you really get things figured out. <laughs> unless you really get things figured out. Uh, quickly, I'm so sorry. Just sorry to break, burst your uh, your Cubs Golden Age bubble. You couldn't. You couldn't just have one positive show, right? You had to bring in the Cubs to ruin everyone. There we go again. Yeah, it's <laughs> all we there do. There we go again. Um, my last. You know what? Oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was just saying. You know, t- to be fair, you look at this. You look at a sports town like Chicago. Hey, we have all. T- you know, we have teams in every major sport. Two in baseball. Can't win them all, you know. I, I I know we say it all the time. Well, we never have a happy show here, but it, you know, with so many teams playing, they they can't all be good, right? Except for we already know on this podcast. Even even so, we have way too many bad ones. But next time, yes, we'll we'll, we'll try to find some type of angles, or maybe it could be the optimistic number fifty-two podcast. I love it. And and my last thing is, and I know. I hate my point that I'm going to make because it's a very Ryan Pace point where we globalize all of the problems versus actually dealing with the problems our team has. But I know the Cubs, like, their their, their batting average is, you know, like, as bad or worse than the National League average for pitchers. Like, I get it's it's hideous. But I am curious to watch the move along trends to see how they stack up against other teams in the league that, you know, maybe are supposed to be as good as they are or in this version of their window, but their average is just as poor. And and, and I wonder, with with strikeout rates through the roof and the pitchers getting that much better, that if this truly is a Cubs problem, or if it's a baseball problem, when I've watched games this week or last week, I forget what it was, listening to Benetti and listening to Giambi and, and all these guys just talking about how there are literally no balls in play. Like the 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 strikeout rate ratio to balls in play is insanely high. It's like the highest it's been in. I I don't want to make up a stat, but it's been it's been a long time. It hasn't been this out of sync. And so you just wonder if in this last five year stretch, if the game's gotten that much different, it would be an interesting study to see between the change in the baseballs that they have every damn year and the strikeout rate going up because of pitchers' velocity. In, in in response to the hitter's swing speed, I, 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 I'm curious if the Cubs are the first of the trend that's going to sadly be the rest of baseball as we move forward if something doesn't change. But that's Theo's job now as special advisor to Rob Manfred, so uh, we'll have to see what happens. Maybe he saw it in his club and was like, crap, i got to get this fixed for everybody. I, it's, a very, it's a very awesome thought, you know, in terms of, did, did the Chicago Cubs maybe pile too much talent that 
was able to exploit certain weaknesses in the game that now that pitchers have adapted to that, it's like re- reverted to the exact opposite. Right. Maybe maybe it's a little bit of that. Maybe, who knows? I, it's definitely a, a, a very interesting doubt. But I'll tell you what, Joey, we have about a week until the next show. Start crunching some numbers, and uh, I'll give you my I'll give you my term paper by the end of the week. Yeah, there we go. Then, then you can write your dissertation by our 100th show. Um, but speaking of that, yes, until next week, which very fascinating. I feel like we're going to uh, pick up on this topic. Um, we'll leave it on a good note and remind everybody that hey. Carlos Rodon threw a freaking no-hitter this week. How about that for a White Sox victory? Uh, pretty easy one. It was smooth sailing for that first inning on where uh, your main uh, your main MVP, uh, you know, Mercedes over there, uh, wants to go on ahead and just bat over 500 and knock in a tons of, run this, tons of runs this year. So we'll keep an eye on that. And uh, for next show, after Joey goes on ahead and compiles all the data, Maybe break down some numbers on why, indeed, the Chicago Cubs just flat out stink right now. Until then, he's Joey Gelman. You can find on Twitter at Joey Gelman. I'm Dan Collins. You can find on Twitter as well at TweetDanCollins. This fine lovely show at Believe in Chicago. As always, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.